up everyone, welcome back. Today we are here with a special guest, Farah Sayed. Welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for coming on the show. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's weird to do it in times like this. Um, how, how, is, how has this period been for you, like the whole Corona thing? Because probably you're at home right now. Yeah, I'm working from home. I actually uh, have been working from home for a month and two days now. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, like we were just in Munich together, right? Like yeah. maybe a month and a half ago. And yeah. it just seems like such, that seems like another lifetime ago. But no, it's, I mean, generally it's been, it's been good. I mean, I think you ha it comes in waves. Some days are tricky and some days aren't. I think it's nice that we, um, my team and I are always on Slack and always in communication. We have daily calls with the team. So there's that check-in every day and you know, you've got to like look presentable, see each other. Um, work has been busy for us. So it's been really distracting which is good it's kind of put my mind off covid quite a lot yeah. uh so that's that's been really nice but i mean yeah there's there's some good days there's some bad days i like going to the office generally mm. i like it because i like the interaction yeah. so it's it, it yeah some days it's it's tough but for the most part i've just been staying connected online and at this point feeling like relatively calm actually mm. surprisingly calm <laughs> so yeah. uh no freak out yet <laughs> okay i actually think that most people feel like that as in um at least i believe that this whole thing of course it's really bad but i think the positive thing that might come from it is that a lot of people who are used to work 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 you know like always be uh, away from home constantly working constantly on the go and right now they're being forced into yeah relaxing as in chilling nothing else to do like just do the work you can do and that's about it and i think that will also bring some positive things for people uh that they start to appreciate the, the quietest yeah absolutely actually a friend uh, said to me like you know, people keep saying the word self-isolation, self-isolation, and it mm. seems very clinical. Like, just think of it more as a creative retreat at home yeah. and a time to, like, think outside the box, get creative. So I really liked that, and it really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. So I think having that mindset can really help as well. Yeah. And there's nothing else you can do about it, you know? Like, this is just the thing exactly. you have to live <laughs> right now. So, yeah. yeah. But... um Let's go back a couple of steps because otherwise people don't know who you are. Um, because you mentioned you'd like working at the office. Which company do you work for right now? Yeah, so I work at Beatport. Uh, I've worked there for almost two years in the Berlin office. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've had different roles there. I started in label management. Uh, then I was the marketing manager and now I'm partnerships manager. Okay, what does that mean, partnerships manager? Partnerships um, is basically someone that's wearing many different hats because you're able, you're dealing with outside relationships, external relationships. So this could be, this encompasses brand partnerships that we work with um, when we get aligned with charity um, organizations, collectives, focusing on diversity. So companies like she said, so, you know, getting really involved in that and, um, also, like new business 
and business development. Mm -hmm. So really focusing on any kind of external uh, property or business or festival or external um, organization that we could potentially partner with. Um, so I, I like that because it's, you know, I do get to wear a few different hats. Mm -hmm. It's, it's you know, a de definitely a role that you can be very creative in. And I also think it's um, and like an interesting role as well, because I also get to I also have the freedom to kind of work with the editorial team and work on articles for B Portal and also get to work with the artist relations team and get to work with the label management team because a lot of those partnerships are going to encompass these other departments. So yeah. it's nice to be able to work with, you know, a lot of different yeah. members of teams, um, different people in different teams. I think something that maybe some producers or artists out there might not know is that Beatport is much more than just uh, a platform where, where you can buy your music. Because sometimes when I when I recommend uh, sounds.beatboard.com, for example, to other artists, they tell me like, oh, I didn't even know that that, that it existed, you know? Exactly. Um, and I personally didn't know that you also had Beat Portal, um, where there were more articles and stuff. So it's it's quite more than just a platform where you can buy music. And how, how did you... Um, end up with a company with Beatport like what did you do before that were you already involved in the music industry or yeah so I've been in the industry for this is my 12th year now and before that uh, I lived in Los Angeles so my mm -hmm. career began in Los Angeles and I worked at a talent agency um, WME which is you know a very big talent agency in the industry and worked there for just over five years and focused on brand partnerships and kind of like the link between music artists and branding um, so commercial campaigns endorsements uh, tour sponsorships things like this this was also at the time when electronic music was really like rising in the US around yeah. 2008 2009 so it was really amazing to work in those teams and see that explode so that's kind of where it all began and then After that, got into artist management, uh, which was which was really interesting and managed like an array of artists with um, a friend. And it's really, really great to, you know, do artist management. I think it's really, you know, it, it's it's a lot of responsibility, but I kind of really missed being on the business side of things as in behind the scenes and working with, you know, lots of different artists, lots of different labels. So I knew that I wanted to move from you know, LA and kind of get it creatively inspired again in my career. And uh, LA really changed. It's, it's a great place, but the scene really changed. And I felt like I didn't have that like kind of passion in me anymore. So I needed to like get that back. So I moved to Berlin two and a half years ago and um, was still continuing to do artist management and work on, you know, branding projects um, on the side. But then um connected you know was connected through uh, a mutual friend with um, a former colleague who actually just left the company and um, yeah got you know got introduced about six months into living in Berlin and the rest is history I guess. Yeah. How <laughs> um, did you uh, because you mentioned living in LA and living in Berlin as well do you still live in Berlin or is it England right now? Yeah no I live in Berlin I've okay. I'm 
I mean, I guess backtracking, I'm originally from England. So I've, um, I was born and raised in England. So I'm a British American dual citizen. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I've spent half my life in England, half my life in America and now two and a half years in Berlin. Okay. So yeah, I've been here two and yeah, two and a half years. And do you think that the location where you lived actually influenced the, the job you did? Because one of the questions I get a lot from people is from artists is that, um, they, they feel like they have to move to places like LA or Berlin or, um, to, to get more involved within the, the industry. Do you think that's valuable or complete bullshit? <laughs> I think, um, as an artist, so not necessarily working for companies like Beatport right. or such, but more like if you want to start releasing music. As an artist, yeah, it's very different. From a business perspective, obviously moving somewhere where it's key, where there's a key scene is really crucial. As an artist, you know, I'm not an artist. I've never been an artist, but I've worked with artists and managed artists mm -hmm. from different locations. Mm -hmm. I would say that it's, it's really, it's really great to live in a scene or live in a place like Berlin, Amsterdam, London, Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, where it's like pumping in the veins of the city almost in a lot of these places where it's um really thriving the scene is strong you know there's a big community because then that way you become part of a community your network and ties become stronger mm -hmm. if you're somewhere in like hawaii you know it's a lot harder you could definitely get your music and i'm sure you can focus produce be productive but then the networking side of things maybe gets lost um, so I guess there's two ways to it, right? So if you're producing, I think you can be anywhere in the world. And if you make amazing music, it will get out into the world. People will hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, it will get released and that can change everything. But then also it's, there's another part to it that's important to, I think, live in a place that's thriving because yeah. you're kind of really plugged in and like those people tend to do really well. You know, they end up building collectives, communities, labels, and, I think that's always networking is such a big part of it. Yeah, I think that that's you kind of nail it. As in, um, I also believe that releasing music like that you can do that from all over the world. There's there's shitloads of labels out there. There's shitloads of self-distributing websites where you can get your music on platforms like Beatport or Spotify or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think when it comes down to networking, the the power of meeting with someone in person somehow is just way better than Skype or Zoom. Like it helps, it's functional, it does the job, but still having a drink with someone or having dinner or just having a regular conversation creates a deeper bond. Um, Absolutely. I think that that's the big pro of living in, 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 a, in a city like Berlin, for instance. For example, like a techno DJ could have, a, yeah, it could be a good spot for him. You could go to the local market and run into, I mean, I've been at different restaurants for lunch mm -hmm. with my coworkers and we run into so many people, <laughs> but it's those human connections that connects many things and it can be, you know, an opportunity every time yeah. for artists. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what you mentioned that when you started off like 12 years ago, um, more branding focused, right? Like helping artists build their brands with partnering with partnerships and stuff. It was more like um, at the talent agency, like you, we have the roster already of artists and it's not just musicians, it's actors mm -hmm. and everything else, but we focused on the musicians. So it's about kind of um, 
not essentially building the, the, their brand as an artist, but building um, their brand partnerships. So any commercial opportunities they would do. So like, Could you, give an you know, example? Yeah, for sure. Like we worked on Avicii's Ralph Lauren deal. So that was one of his like dream brands. And um, he created a track, um, did some online content, shot a music video. Uh, so that was really, really cool to work on. Um, some other projects like Swedish House Mafia did an absolute campaign. Mm -hmm. um, that's not something we like worked on, but they worked on this deal and they were clients of ours. So we helped mm -hmm. to execute certain parts of, of this and were involved in certain parts of that. But that was a really big uh, campaign. It was a tour sponsorship. It was with the um, Greyhound right? Yeah, with yeah. the Greyhound, which is a drink. Yeah. Um, so that was also happening at this time. And then... Yeah, so many deals with uh, people that you could probably never imagine. Like we did Samsung deals with Ozzy Osbourne, uh, <laughs> Smirnoff deal with Pharrell, um, Taylor Swift, a lot of her oh. uh, campaigns with CoverGirl and, you know, all these brands. So it's like basically partnering major brands with um music artists and yeah. for the first time electronic music artists so you know when you're seeing like nervo do a cover girl deal you know this was like you know this was eight years ago um you know some of these were eight years ago and some brands were very hesitant to get into that space yeah. at that time because they weren't sure but uh yeah the fact that we even did a few case studies was was really cool yeah and what's the what's the value of it as in why would an artist connect with such brands and vice versa like why would big brands invest in artists yeah so i think for brands uh they always want to it depends on the brand but most of them want to like resonate with their key target demographics so More just like say emotion yeah so just say for instance like it's an alcohol brand and they know that electronic music is booming right now like martin garrix did a deal and I believe also Tiesto with 7up, right? Mm -hmm. So why is a brand like 7up, um, you know, wanting to partner with these artists? It's because, like, they know that the key demographic of their audience that drinks their drink is young. What are they into? You know, they're into electronic music. So they try to figure out ways to entice their audience, um, be cool again, you know, do something innovative and connect with their audience in a more meaningful way. And artists on the flip side, some don't want to do brand endorsements. Some feel that it's selling out or the brand doesn't really understand me, you know, but it's changed so much the landscape over the past uh, 10 years. And I've seen it really happen where artists are, are, are more willing to do things now because the content behind like the content strategy is a lot cooler and a lot smarter. There's way more you can do now. And instead of just like holding up a can of Coke or yeah. putting on a shoe, there's way more meaningful content, you know, and I love doing that because I love working on that side of things because connecting an artist and a brand can make a massive impact if you do it yeah. really, really well. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I think that that also happened, like you mentioned, in the last couple of, let's say, 10 years, because the, the scene got more commercial, so it attracts a bigger crowd, so it becomes more interesting for bigger uh, companies to spend their money on the marketing in that scene. So what could be the value of the R's? Is it just money or...? Um, 
I would say for, for a lot of the artists, you know, you get a really big paycheck for a couple of days of production work, mm -hmm. uh, meaning like a couple of days of being on camera on shoot and, um, you know, or if it's a tour sponsorship, like we did Lady Gaga and also Britney Spears tour sponsorships with Virgin Mobile. So, you know, for them, it's like they're going on tour and, uh, they're, whole tour is being supported by a brand now. So they're yeah. offsetting a lot of the cost. So that's amazing, you know, but for a lot of artists, I would say, yeah, it's a great paycheck, great paycheck. Right. So you can make, you can make a good amount of money in for a three or four month, three to six month term for two days of work, yeah. you know, and that would take you. Whereas otherwise, if you were just performing, that could be like six, seven, eight, nine gigs. Right. So you get a lot of money in a short period of time, but also it's kind of cool if Nike or Red Bull or, you know, these huge brands want to work with you. It means your fan base probably will grow. You'll get a whole new audience and it's kind of flattering, you yeah, know, to, yeah. to be asked by a brand. Um, yeah, I would say that's the, those, those are probably the biggest reasons, money yeah, and imagine. visibility. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. And after that whole thing, you started focusing more on management, right? Like artist management. Was mm -hmm. it was it full management? Yeah, it was um, full artist management. We managed about 10 artists. They were mainly based in Los Angeles. And it was really risky to start something with, you know, an acquaintance at the time and build something on our own. I think in hindsight, I would have probably gone into a company. But I think coming, you know, I, we, I learned a lot at, up until that point. So I, f I felt ready to be able to, to manage artists and yeah, it was full-time management. Um, we helped them with, you know, A&R stuff with their labels as well. Um, we would even help booking gigs if they didn't have agents. So it was kind of like a full service agency. Yeah. Yeah. What was the main thing you learned from that period? Uh, that many artists are always overthinking their music and <laughs> they, they need to just get out the music because most of the time it's really good. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I learned that, um, yeah, artists are very, can be very tough on themselves when the music is really good. Um, but I think that's good. I think that's why, you know, many of them are perfectionists and that's why they're doing what they do. Um, they how want high you, quality. How did you dealt with that? Because you are the one that that yeah kind of is the one that that need, helps them build their career so you need the music to actually build something right but how did you dealt with that when an artist came to you say like yeah it's not finished yet it's not finished yet but you needed that track to start building something or sometimes it would be finished but they would be overthinking it and want to change mm. i would just say like i think it's i mean i had a business partner that was um really good with the production side of things. Like I'm not a producer. So he would be like, this is good. We can, we can pitch this to the labels now. Yeah. Trust us, you know? So it's about kind of having the trusting relationship with the client and saying, I can give you a little bit more time or trust us. This is good enough. We know that the label is going to be comfortable with this. We've chatted with them. We've sent them a sample, you know? Yeah. So it's about like kind of creating that trust with the client. I think I learned, yeah, a lot about, um, how artists minds work mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. how sensitive they can be, but how talented they are. And also just lift the fundamentals of like running a business. You know, you're fully responsible for every single thing that these artists um, want to get involved in. It, building the brand, publicist, like PR relationships, media relationships. Um, yeah, you kind of have to just, you know, I kind of feel like I learned a lot in a short period of time. Yeah. It was it was a busy time. Yeah. And when do you think is the right time for an artist to uh, get a manager on board? Because like everyone, all the artists out there want to get a manager, but 90 out of 100 don't really need one yet. So what's the right moment for an artist to say, now I want to get a manager. I mean, yeah, it it really depends, right? Because I think it's really up to you as a person. Like if you're able to, if you're releasing music and quite consistently and you have a booking agent mm-hmm. uh, and you're somewhat established, I think it's nice to have someone that can manage that flow, can help you get the right publicist or, you know, PR for your releases. If there's activity, if there's no activity, why would you have a manager? Yeah. So maybe, I would maybe say it's easier to rephrase the question. Like what would mm. you need as a manager mm. to make an artist bigger? Yeah, I would say, yeah, that's, that's probably a good way to put it. I would say releases mm-hmm. under your belt, uh, that have maybe, Definitely like music that you've created that you maybe have like a, you know, a secret stash to um, so that there's something to work with. So the manager knows what you sound like, what you're capable of. And then some releases under your belt would be helpful to see what you've done, where you could go. Um, If you've played gigs before and you, you know, have some some gigs in the work or at least have had a pipeline of gigs or have a booking agent, I would say that really helps a manager because they really have something to work with then. But I would say mainly music activity is really, really important because then a manager has got something to be able to speak to publicists about media outlets. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned, which I find funny is that you mentioned having releases under your belt uh, is important, but one of the things I see from artists as well, mm. especially the beginning artists, is that they are ashamed of their previous releases because right now they're at a better level. They know how to mix their song better than the previous ones. So they kind of feel ashamed about their previous releases, which sometimes leads into them release, uh, deleting the previous releases from all the platforms. And I always tell artists like don't do it because it's it's kind of like your resume right like it tells something about where you came from and where you're going uh and you kind of confirm it as and yeah you you just want to see where the artist came from you want to see how he's evolving yeah i mean that's that's me personally and people i managers i know have said this Mm. but i think yeah you should never be ashamed of like where you came from what you listened to we all (laughs) We all we all have a, a side, but no, I think it's fine <laughs> to um, be proud of what you've made because it probably got to got you to where you are, and like you said, evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps you evolve as an artist. So I don't think people should ever delete their releases or be ashamed. I think that was important to you at one point in time. Yeah. So you should keep it. We all have that playlist with guilty pleasures. <laughs> For me, there is no real guilty pleasure. I'm actually quite proud um, Mm -hmm. always 
and always have been and always will be to like listen to so many genres and some people might not understand that some people totally know that about me but I'm not like ever ashamed because I think if what's good is good what's bad is bad that's how I categorize basically and do you listen to multiple uh, genres of music or always dance focused um I listen yeah I love rock and roll like the strokes my strokes are my favorite band I listen to a lot of your like indie I mean I grew up in Cal I mean I lived a lot of my life in California I love good indie I love good rock I love um classical uh jazz we listen to quite a lot in the office so I I love jazz reggae um at the office you listen to jazz yeah we listen to a lot of jazz uh and yeah some good soul sometimes but for the most part it's between like indie rock and electronic music i mean i've loved electronic music since i was 13 years old so a really long time (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, same here i also have like several kinds of playlists different kinds of genres the only thing i really never really uh understood was rock music i just somehow that never got to me Okay, I'll have to send you some some Strokes albums, May, and then yeah, we'll probably. see. <laughs> like there's, there's some old school stuff which I like. I'm not sure if you can call it rock, but like it, Brian Adams and stuff is that rock music? I don't know. I don't know what Brian Adams. Is. Yeah, I mean he's good. He's good, but that's not my vibe. Yeah, no. mine is more like early 2000s New York grunge. I mean, it was a defining moment in. Um, rock and indie music at that time so it was also when I moved to the U.S. from England so that music was really like helped me a lot through Mm. moving countries at such a young age so yeah there's always that connection with music sometimes with memories I have the same thing like um, it's actually I think it's even proven with tests that listening to to certain music puts you in a certain mindset as in uh, I have this playlist called the Get Psyched Mix Maybe you know it from How I Met Your Mother. Do you know that series? I, I know that, but I don't know it. Oh, yeah. The the, the guy in the series has a playlist, of, like a mixtape called the Get Psyched Mixtape, involving all the tracks that makes him, uh, yeah, get that gets him psyched. Uh, and that really helps. Like, if you listen to those songs, you automatically get into this mindset of having all the energy and, um, yeah, all the positivity you get from it. So it's it's kind of connected to certain... Yeah, moments in your life which which you have a good memory of. Yeah, actually, we that was in one of our tips and guidance in the Beat Porter article that we just put out um, mm-hmm. about ten ways to, you know, help your mental health during isolation. Yeah. We talk about how mu- we really wanted that to come across that like music has been is such a big part and can really help change your mindset your mood and having these virtual zoom rooms it might not be for everybody but and that's totally fine and i totally understand that but for some people it it really helps and it's a way for them to not feel isolated they feel closer with their friends they feel more connected in this time and i think if it helps you then that's amazing yeah Exactly. And you mentioned the article. Um, mental health is actually how we got to know each other because we were in the same panel in uh, Munich uh, about mental health. Um, I recall you mentioned that mental health is also something that has been on your mind, like also on the work floor. You, you, um, yeah, it, it's just a big part in your life. How... Um, 
How do you think that mental health has been affecting the music industry in the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I thought I thought that was a really great panel um, as well in Munich. I thought it was really good to get everyone's perspective and to meet all of you and to hear your different journeys. I definitely took, mm-hmm. walked away with that from, uh, with a lot of new information. But I think, I think it's really amazing that people have talked, uh, talked more openly about the topic and there's less of a stigma it's unfortunate that people have had to pass away in order for this to happen. But I think that I've definitely seen it. There's some conversations you could have never had 10 years ago that you can have now. And I mean that whether you're an artist, a manager, an assistant, an agent, you know, a coach, it doesn't matter. Like you can have a more open conversation. So I think in the past two years, it's, you know, you're seeing on the front cover of like DJ mag, you know, not an artist picture, but a picture of, you know, a face and the main topic is mental health. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's things like this where you're actually seeing it take, you know, um, priority over other topics. So I think it's shifted in a positive way. People are more open about it. People like Tristan AFEM are really championing these things and connecting all the right dots for us in the community. So, yeah, I think there's more transparency, less stigma, more openness. Yeah. And as a platform like Beatport and, you know, other companies, you know, as well, I think it's our duty to make this more of a global um, topic to discuss. Is that also something that Beatport um, wants to be a part of as in like you sell music, you have the beat portal, you sell uh, sample packs, but it's like the mental health part also, or maybe the community part also something that Beatport really wants to uh, become a part of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like when you said in the beginning, you know, not people, not many people know that um, Beatport has all these other, you know, sides to it. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. because over the 16 years, it has had, you know, there was a Beat Portal before, then it went away, now it's back again. So Uh things have shifted. Yeah. So things have basically shifted. So, uh, you know, I'm in the department that's called Beatport Creative Services, BCS. So that whole division started about a year ago. And that's got streaming, festival partnerships, brand partnerships, editorial with Beat Portal, and things focusing on diversity, sustainability, uh, mental health. So hmm. there's a lot of us in the company that are passionate about these things because in this day and age, I think you want, if you can, and if you're at a company that can and supports this, you want to make an impact. For me, I know in the past year and a half, um, I know that I'm meant to do certain things in order to help other people in this industry. And that's like bringing more visibility to females Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't have a lot of this when I was coming up. So it's about making opportunities for them. It's about putting awareness on mental health, trying to figure out how to become more sustainable as a company. So I would say that we get the support to do these things and there's people that are passionate about it from the top down. Mm -hmm. So yes, the company is like very, very much um, interested in these partnerships, very much interested in um, panels and discussions focusing on this. It's amazing that we have Beat Portal because we're able to talk about it now because when you're just a store, 
you of course that's an amazing part of the business and you're providing music but when you have a, a voice you can say many things hmm. as well so for us to put out that mental health um article was the first for us and it was really important and i think as a platform so big you have the responsibility to educate people and to like let them know that you also really care so yeah for us it's these are really high priorities like yeah. diversity mental health sustainability um in in all forms now that you mention it like I, in the last couple of years especially in the techno uh tech house kind of vibe more and more female djs uh came into the scene at least mm-hmm. at least not now you see them maybe if they've been there before but no, no one noticed them but now more and more female djs uh, are on stage which is a great thing i think uh, but on the EDM, yeah, maybe EDM as well, by the way, like Nervo, uh, yeah, more and more females are coming in. I think that's a really great thing. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think also just, you know, diversity comes in all forms too. So it's also making sure that LGBTQ, yeah. um, you know, uh, collectives and artists are also in the mix and that it's really, truly diverse ethnicity wise as well. Um, so when we launched beat portal, it was really important for us to have someone that really, you know, encompassed a lot of, a lot of great things about a female artist that has been working for a long time, you know, doing amazing things and for us to like showcase this because this was really important to us and to set that precedence forward. So yeah, we were able to get more Elian and she's, you know, incredible. She's been doing stuff for like 10 years and she works hard and she is doing all the the right things and makes amazing music. So yeah, it's, it's important for us to also portray diversity in everything we do, even on the store with like featured charts featured releases, um, content, editorial stuff. So yeah, everything we try to keep in. And another thing I was wondering, because I've seen, I've been on Beatport since like, I think since it started, because because when I started, do you you recall dancetunes.com? No, I don't. Not not even know if it still exists, but... That was the first platform in, in the Netherlands who started doing like oh, cool. online buying of records, at least the one I know of. And then Beport came along as well. So I think I've already been on the platform like, what's it, like 15 years? Could that be? How long mm-hmm. does it exist? 16 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. Um, but I've seen it also evolving because in the beginning it was a pretty crappy platform and it evolved and it evolved and it became bigger and then it kind of completely destroyed dancetunes.com and um but then of course streaming came and i'm not sure like something tells me that sales will always go on because especially with beatboard i can imagine that you have a lot of diehard music buyers like people who really like music will i believe will always buy music just to support the artist um, but I'm not sure if you how how much did Beatport um, got heard by the whole streaming services. We also just introduced um, Link Beatport Link. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So that's basically a subscription service. Yeah, it's yeah. a subscription service that's allowing you access to the entire entire catalog. So for someone like me, that's wanting to learn how to DJ just for my own knowledge and experience, not to go out and perform. Like, you know, it's kind of cool that I can just access everything and play around with it and have all that 
you know, at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, you know, amazing that we've been able to kind of, you know, put that out into the world. Um, I, I, I don't know, in terms of like, has it hurt our business? I mean, no, I think Beatport still continues to thrive. And um, we just had an amazing stream, you know, that was 34 artists and 34 cities and 34 locations. And you were able to purchase some of the tracks within the stream. And people were like, we want more of these. So people, I think, are still buying. How much did you, because it was for, uh, for, uh, how is it called? Like a... A good good cause, right? Yeah, charity. Yeah, it was for, for charity. charity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you you guys got like one hundred eighty thousand. Yeah, it was over one hundred eighty thousand in the end. Oh, yeah, I think one hundred eighty five thousand. Yeah, we have another one this weekend. So also for for different charities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great thing. I also watched the stream. It looked amazing. Really nice. fun to okay, see all good. those. Yeah, it was really fun to see all those um, DJs playing. I guess from their home, from like their living room or whatever. Or yeah, studio, or... I, I keep saying now everyone's become a bedroom DJ again yeah. or a kitchen DJ, and it's kind of like like bringing people down or like not that everyone needs to be humbled, but I'm mm. sure everyone's back to the basics and they can feel it. Yeah. So there, there there might be a different appreciation after all of this. Yeah, yeah, I really I, I really know. liked watching it. I think it was a great thing to do, especially cool. during these times. You know, like I was. Uh, I was waking up and I was listening to the stream with my little kid. She was also dancing, so it was fun. Oh, uh, well, yeah, we saw like, um, yeah, like our CEO was with his daughter and he took a picture and just like other coworkers. And we, we were in a separate Zoom, some of us, so we were chatting. And to be honest, like, yeah, it's really helped connect friends all over. You know, they've, yeah. they've messaged me saying, we're going to tune in, let's watch it together. And if it's helping people, then we're happy. That's that's a bonus, of course. It's to do things for charity to keep our audience yeah. in touch, like in like keep them connected with each other. That's why mm-hmm. it's called reconnect. But uh, yeah, the fact that people are happy and they want they want it again that's that's really nice for us to hear. Yeah, and also that you like are able to collect that amount of money for the charities is amazing. How much people yeah, want thanks to give to the partners that uh, donated and also to. I mean, everyone that basically tuned in. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. I think we exceeded our expectations. So it's really like the fans were incredible to do that. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we have another one this weekend. So yeah. you have to tune in. <laughs> I, will, I will be there, definitely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Farah, I want to thank you for the time to, uh, yeah, to talk with me and to explain all the things uh, yeah, that, you, that you've experienced in the last couple of years and all the knowledge that you've gained uh, in this industry. Uh, artists will definitely be happy to to learn about it and to hear hear about it from you. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for taking the time and uh, good luck with the stream upcoming weekend. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, nice to speak with you and thank you for all the work that you do as well. I think it's really amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Have a great day. Yep. Too. Ciao. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, what's up? It's me, Joey Suki, and thanks for listening to this podcast episode. I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe on this podcast on iTunes or just share it with your friends who you think it could be valuable to. So thanks again for listening and see you next time.